right, and we're back. It's your boy Six Pack Lap at with Paul Maranzan. And uh, we got a little bit of, uh, we got some news here, sir. So something I noticed um, when I was posting on King of the Lifts, I think I posted one at Ashton's from the, uh, over the weekend. He was at, I believe it was the tribute meet. Do you, they, we had, we had uh, the tribute, Boss of Bosses, in LA Fitness. Yeah, there were some massive, huge, massive everybody, meets. Everybody, yeah. Huge yeah. meets, some of the biggest names in the game, um, certainly in the untested side anyways. Um, and Ashton actually said on there that he's coming back to the USAPL in a 93 yep. kilo. So he wants to, A, defend his title. B, is he thinking about going to the IPF Worlds or is he going to uh, do the US Open again? I'm wondering. Either way, he wants to take his title back. You gotta assume that if he's coming back and he's gonna do raw nats, he's thinking IPF Worlds this time. Maybe, but here's the thing. Yeah, I mean he did it before. Yeah, took raw nats. That's good enough for me. Internationally, I'm gonna to go to the U.S. Open and try to get that money. True. I and mean, it's, it's, the paycheck's hard to turn down, right? Yeah. You think you can get it? Yeah, it isn't like you know. Sometimes people cross over and then cross back. Have we seen anyone cross back from crossing over? Here's. A, Another person is Dennis Cornelius. I was back just about to say, Dennis Cornelius is coming back. So you could say that he's crossed over and come he, back. He has done a USAPL meet as well. And he totaled 1,000 kilo. Yep. Which is absolutely mind-boggling huge. Yep. So some people do leave and come back. Um, so both of those guys, I think, are going to be at the U.S. Raw Nationals. And Dennis, I could say, has stated he wants to do IPF World Championships. Yep. Which is yeah, a good he wants to come, He wants to come back and take his title at this point. Which very much hurts Eric Wilson's chance of being a multiple-time world champion. But yeah. you know what? We'll take you. He, he got one. You know what? Canada will take you. Yeah. That'd be the first time we ever got one. Um, but in terms of Ashton, so Ashton at 93 will have, obviously, two-time world champion Ellis McLean. A little trivia for you. Never won a Nationals in his life. Yeah, no, he is. That's fucking, that's a pretty big trivia. He's finished the highest of second, I think, right? Highest of second. Never won the Nationals life. Two-time, world, multiple-time world champion. Yeah. Never won the Nationals. I tell you what, I take the world titles over Nationals any fucking day of the week. But uh, but still, <laughs> it's crazy to think about that, right? Maybe, yeah. I think I would do that as well. So. Yeah. But, um, so, there's a showdown, a rematch between them, and it came down to the last deadlift. It's somewhat, I mean, if, to think, it's not as easy as just saying, Whoever won one, literally when LS pulled his last dead, looked like he had room in the tank, and he just thought this should be enough to extend the young man that he's gonna have to pull more than he can handle. He pulled it. Ashen. He, he pulled for Ashen to lose. Yeah, and Ashen had the fight of his fucking life, but got it. Yeah. He had no more kilo left. It appeared, anyways. LS looked like he had kilo left. Ashen, I think, won on body weight. I think that he would have pulled. He would have pulled for something like that. Yeah, he, he definitely would have pulled. If not, yeah. he, if if he was slightly heavier, he went up by two and a half kilo. Yeah. Anyway, the point is dead even. So then it begged the question: Was it not so much Ashton was a stronger lifter, but strategically it's just the way it played out, and LS had to go first, so he didn't know how much he had to load up. Yeah. You could argue that, but you can also argue: Okay, Ashton wasn't stronger, so you could say, well, this time around he's going to put load up a little more. Cool, but Ashton was twenty then. I was, was about to say, man. you're dealing with experience, experience versus youth. I'm guessing that gains that LS is going to get at 40 isn't going to be the same as the gains that Ashton's going to get at 20. No. So then it becomes, fuck, man, it's a, it's a, it's makes an intriguing rematch. And Ashton is a beast at 20. Like, it's not like he's... Oh, he, no, he's, no. he's the best. Yeah. 
He's fucking as developed as they get. Yeah, he's not a, a typical 20-year-old who's no. just looking to start off putting some muscle on. This guy's probably maxed out his physical muscle potential. I don't think he's going to move up to 105. If the guy moves up to 105 muscular-wise, he's going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, and then we also have a 93, uh, Wilson. Yeah, you got Dave Wilson. Who is an absolute beast when it comes to the deadlift squat bench there's, as well. There's probably nobody in USAPL that outpulls Dave Wilson. So talking about pulling for in the win. In 93 kiloplasts, I should say. Talking about pulling for the win. Yeah. Um, you know, talk, Joe Stanek had messaged me on the King of Lifts and said, I hope nobody's sleeping on this kid. Well, even in that meet, even in the one where it came down to Ashton and LS, Wilson pulled for the win, and he didn't miss it by much. Yeah. And he I missed think, it. I think it wasn't on his strength thing. It was just on a, he was having issues with pitching forward a little bit on Dez. And I don't, think, yeah, I don't think he had the greatest meet. It wasn't his full potential. No. Like, going off that, he could do better, which is scary, too. Like, like that's the way she goes sometimes. And I think, like, um, I think if he brings the full package and he can have his number one meet. Like, for instance, L.S. McLean at Worlds, his, his um, total dropped 20 kilo, which makes him incredibly vulnerable. One by the skin of his teeth. But that's not his best meat. He was very vulnerable. Yeah. A 20 kilo drop is never good when you're defending the title. One by the skin of his teeth. But he's better than that. And um, he's going to have to be better than that against this, this team. So it, it just shows you, like, this is sports any fucking given day. You know, the defending yeah. champ, you're looking at his nominations. He might not hit that that day. Yeah. At that level, too, some guys are advancing. Some guys are advancing a little. Some guys are dropping. Some guys have the day of their well, life. You're talking, it's so tight. It's so weird to think that you're thinking the defending world champion, like two-time world champion, he could finish, you know, he could end up in fourth and nobody would bat an eye at that. And he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And um, the one thing that, like, obviously LS, uh, like, so late in his lifting career, like, he's 40 years old, is now two-time world champion. He's always battling just to win nationals, just to be able to go to worlds. And now he's a multiple-time world champion. He could quit, he could quit, quit lifting right now, hang his hat on that and be like, fuck it. Or he could go to Masters and... Or and start just, taking Masters. Yeah, I was going to say start killing shit. Yep. Although in Masters, sometimes you get a guy like David Ricks. So it's that's, not even true. Well, this is a day and age we're in. That's somebody we haven't even mentioned in this fight as well. Because you and, know Ricks will probably end up being in the open as well. I'm going to... Um, let's, let's kick this guy up. I'm going to... Uh, also, another person we got to think about. I don't know for sure if this has yet been announced or what the situation is. But Jesse Norris. Is he going to go? Just, I feel like he's the guy that just keeps teasing at this point. Like, he's moving some serious weight. He's yeah. coming and getting back up he, to what he was when he was in his prime. He's, but he hasn't announced anything. Well, I wouldn't even say what he was in his prime, because didn't in his prime he get into well, 900 kilo? Yeah. And ne- at like 20 years old and never really came close. I should say he like his prime when he was in the USAPL and when he won his first 93 yeah. kilo title. Yeah. Which is weird. At 20, he hit fucking numbers that has never been close. Yeah. Like that, that one meet at or one or two meets at no, twenty. No, he's had he's had issues with health and you know yeah. nagging injuries and stuff like that for ages now. And um, which so, is weird to say about a young lifter like Norris. He's young as fuck. But uh, if he shows up, I, I don't know. So some people would be like, "Well, he murders everybody." Well, no, no, no. Him and David Ricks were toe to toe. I was going to say him and David Ricks were toe to toe. And everybody else couldn't push him. David Ricks yeah. was like. Well, I guess I'm going to have to be a huckleberry, won't I, young man? And fucking push them down to the last dead. Down to the last dead. So, um, yeah, it would be so intriguing to see if... Think about this fucking battle at U.S. Open. 93. Two-time world champion, L.S. McLean. 
um, defending national champion Ashra Ruska, who yeah. so so you've got defending world champion and defending national champion, not the same fucking guy. That's very rare. Battling out Bolson, uh coming in there, who's like a bit of a dark horse. Yeah. People don't realize the potential he has, and if he unveils the full package, if he has a good day, he's going to be. Watch the fuck. Yeah, out. you're probably going to watch him be on the top. Yeah, maybe number one, yeah. not just podium. And then you got the veteran David Ricks, who's so hot cold. If he gets a squat in, you're all in trouble. Yeah. If he can't get a squat, if he can't get a squat, he bombs. If he gets only his opener, okay, the door's yeah, open. If he gets all three, if, if he goes he, three for nine, he's he, not gonna be there. But if you never he, know with Ricks. If he goes three for three in squats, you're all in yeah. trouble. You're all gonna have to fight in your life by a man who by this time is gonna be damn near 60, 58, 59, whatever yeah. the shit. And then possibility of Jesse Norris, who loves to fucking tease us. Norris shows up. This is gonna be an all-time you know, extravaganza. And um, and I don't think Lane Norton's going to make it. No, I don't think so. He's either. injured again. Yeah. Which brings us to discussion number two. I saw Joe Rogan tweet that he's thinking about bringing Lane Norton on his show debating about diets and diet and, and nutrition. And he said, he said, like, look, I could bring a guy like Lane Norton on. I got nothing to offer this fucking guy. He's a doctor. Yeah. I got nothing to offer him in terms of this. It's going to sound like me and Joe, or Stan Efforting when we had Stan Efforting on. And I was like, yeah, sounds about fucking right. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't know what you're saying to him. Like, no, you're, really like, above. you're really like, thank you for the information. I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Um, but I can't uh, offer too much more. And Joe Rogan's in the same position. So he said, um, let me bring somebody else on who opposes the if it fits your macros. Who opposes because Lady Norton gets a lot of heat for Lady Norton's basically fit, hit your carb targets, fat targets, protein targets, everything else eat, doesn't matter. Yeah, eat whatever the fuck you want. Like, eat whatever the fuck. Have pop tarts. Yeah. And um, Joe Rogan himself doesn't believe that, but he knows. I sit down with a fucking doctor, he'll still tear me a fucking new one. Yeah. I have no research to recite. Lee Norton can, can recite all this data, and Rogan will be just be there with his pecker in his hands, being like, I guess you're right, son. But, um, so Rogan, who doesn't believe if it fits your macros, uh, wants to get someone on here who's, who's up to par to yeah. actually battle it out with them. Well, you and, want to get somebody else who's going to have the exact opposing view, so whether you go with yeah. somebody who's like a master in keto diet, or whether it's... Uh... Which, is, which is an intriguing, you know, yeah. would be an intriguing debate, and we have never had... A high flight competitive powerlifter like Ro uh, on the Joe Rogan show. We've had like Mark Bell, shit like that. Mark Bell is great for media, social media, but he's not really a current powerlifter in the scene right no. now. He's more of a social media personality. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't powerlifted in years, right? He's great for our sport, great for powerlifting, because when he shows on, he represents powerlifting. There's a huge market scene, but they're not, you know, this would be the first. Like, Ro I think Lane Owen's a little closer to the current of what's going on in powerlifting. And in the scene. Yeah. So that I hope that happens. Yeah, he's not that far removed from being 93 kilo champ. Yeah, just a couple years yeah. talking about the 93s. So I hope it happens. Um, and if it does, we're gonna fucking you know be posting a shit out of it and pushing it. And hopefully, you know, I have no horse in the race in terms of he's a power lifter, but I'm not gonna be biased on. I hope he fucking wins the debate. And yeah. Oftentimes, to be honest, nobody wins these debates. They just both say their sides. And whoever, you walk in there, and if you were neutral, you might get swayed. But if you ever had a horse in a race, you're leaving with the yeah. same fucking horse. You almost always it's, no clear exactly. winner. Nobody gets budged. And um, did we have something else we're going to talk about here? Oh, also, don't, not to discount Charlie Dixon in the 93 kilos. Fuck, man, that's stacked. Yeah. Who's the, the current 83 kilo junior moves up to 93 kilo and um, first year in the Open, first year in 93. 
and he's already smashing PRs as nine as he's moving up. Like yeah. he just posted the other day, I think it was close to a seven hundred squat, which looked pretty easy. That's insane. Yeah. So I mean, you think about like at his age, how quickly he's going to advance, moving up a weight class, how much he's going to advance. Just I mean, not having to do that. Weight yeah. Cut that which, he and does. he cut like a son of a yeah. bitch. Yeah, but he's one of the biggest cutters he'd have to, he'd have to sustain. So, uh, 93s so far shaping up. 83s is going to be an ass, absolutely monstrous battle. Little disappointed, Muscle Man Marcus pulled out. And Muscle Man Marcus looked like a guy who would give. He was Russell looking like an absolute monster. Nonetheless, um, or or he's got to battle his hands with Ren. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a couple guys Sean like uh, Sean Noriega who who posted up this. I think within a week of Worlds. He posted up 785. Uh, for anyone paying attention, yeah. that's more than all he did at Worlds. That doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, he also was in a position where, you know, he didn't have to up, like, go against Brett Gibbs. He's not yeah. trying. The game plan changed. When you're at the world level or national level, you're not posting for PRs, you're posting for you're position. You're posting for position quoting. on quoting. You're yeah. posting for that total. Whatever it's going to be on the day to beat, yeah. or what you think is going to beat. Your opposition. Your coaches are like, I don't get, we're not going for a PR and risking your fucking silver medal. Yeah. Gives a fuck about your PR. Try that at a local meet. We're going to secure the silver if we don't have a, the gold, blah, blah, blah. So I give that caveat. All I'm saying is um, he's ne he's at very least neck and neck with Orhi. And you yeah. got a fucking battle. And then you got Dendiff Panda. He had a meet below what Stanek, who's his coach, was expecting. Yep. They're thinking around 800 total. And it was well, below that, he had a rough day. Yeah. People have bad days. I don't think that's where he's at. I think it's just a rough day. I think he actually, I'm buying the hype. And I think on a good day, I think, yeah, he's, in, he's in basically David Wilson of yes. the 83s. Very well said. He's I, a guy that you know is going to load up the bar. And he's yeah. going to pull himself in a podium position if he's having a good day. Yeah, and maybe for the win, yeah. it's close enough. Because uh, God knows his, his deadlift is... Almost anything under the sun is within reach for yeah. the deadlift like that. So it depends. And that's where, like, you see these guys where, like, hot, cold days. Like, um, I mean, if you powerlift, like, five times, you're bound to have at least at least one bad day in there. Um, whoever has a bad day or you're bound to have one fucking day where I PR'd all four, all yeah. five, actually. I PR'd all three events, squat yeah. and Wilkes. You're going to have one of them come in. So, the weight cut's going to go perfectly. The peak's going to be perfect. So you can have, like... Total upsets where one guy who ordinarily be fourth, it's so tight, can win the whole fucking thing, and another guy who could be defending or whatever could be like, shit, that was a tough cut. That was a tough. Yep. I, I I had a hard time with my dads for some reason. Kept rocking around like Wilson. Kept I rocked around on my dads. Lost my last dads. Yeah. Fuck me. So eighty threes, ninety threes, so far are shaping up to be probably the best ones to watch. Um, one that I think is going to be uh, interesting now. 105s because defending national champion and defending world champion Bryce Lewis is now out of the competition and is announced. Yep. So that swings open the door. You got obviously arch nemesis slash friend. You got, um, you got Garrett Blevins. Garrett who's Blevins. Gotta, who's got to become probably the number one choice because he's always there in the battle of 105s. He's definitely up there. But then you also have Ben Rice. Yep. Who's been and just goddamn just ben Rice murdering it lately. Talk about good days. If Ben Rice keeps his trajectory and has a good day, one, I, I wouldn't bat an eye if you told me Ben Rice was new yeah. USAPL champion. 
Um, he, he's literally, it will come down to he's got to put piece of belt together on the big stage like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think he's ever won U.S. Nationals. It's tough, man. Because people pull you out of pocket. You, instead of, it's easy to have a good day when there's nothing but chasing PRs at a local meet. We're on the U.S. APL scene, and it's like, okay, you normally squat this much to stay up with this guy. You have to do this much. Okay, you normally deadlift this much. Like, game plans change yeah, game, real fucking Game quick. plans change, as I said. Whether it's ego, whether it's anything else comes into play. Like, he's got to start really playing with the numbers. you yeah. got to start playing with, I said, you got to start worrying about if this guy misses this lift, I got to yeah. pull this, and then I'm suddenly ahead. Like, yeah. Or if this guy hits this lift. Yeah. Like, LS hit, a, hit his last dead. And then Ashton's like, well, I don't have a choice. My last deadlift has been dictated yeah. to me. LS um, got to pick his last dead to try to push Ashton last year. And LS picked wrong. Ashton was in a position where I don't know what the fuck I got. I just got to pull for yeah. the win. It's dictated to me. You let me know, LS, what do I have to pull? Yeah. If you miss, I pull less. And that's where LS is like, I guess, I, I don't want to overshoot because if I miss, the young man wins automatically. If I guess too little, but I get it, yeah, yeah. I, I, I leave the door open. Yeah, exactly. And that's where things fucking change. I was 93 kilos last year. That can happen in the 105s or 93s or 83s this year, where it's not always strong sky wins. I don't think we saw everything LS had that day. No, he had more in the tank on the day for sure. More in the tank in the day. But how do you know until after the pull? You know, I don't blame his handlers because they're like, well, fuck, I don't know. Yeah. You go, you go five kilo more. That could have been too much. Right? Exactly. They were all like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Five kilo more. You just fucking threw it away. So um, it's gonna be a battle, man. I love USAPL nationals. Oh, it's always yeah. next to the IPF world. It's just a, it's you can almost say it's as good as IPF world because yeah. realistically, like let's face it, all these guys are putting up world totals. Or yeah. I'd say I'd say it's good. I wouldn't say I'd say it's definitely the second best. Yeah, I think Worlds is best. Worlds only, is still more fun. Yeah, only people all over the world like you can't cut out like um, like fucking Brett Gibbs and shit. Like you, like, yeah. you, know, you, you can't lose those guys like Verbecki and shit. These are the wild cards that come from all different parts of the world. Yeah. That you just you know it's a like or Luke Richardson for fuck's sake who's like the future. You know you're gonna lose a lot of big cast or fucking Eric Willis, huh? Yeah. How about that Eric Willis? The one twenty champ. Dude, the one we got in Canada. How about the one? But anyways, leads us to our boy Bryce Lewis. Recently announced he's pulling out of the USAPL or Raw Nationals, which also means he will not be defending his IPF World Championships. And he is our guest today. And with no further ado, let's give him a round. Yes. Let's talk to the champ. And ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, IPF World Champion, fresh off the big battle of the 105s, uh, Bryce Lewis. Bryce, how are you feeling, sir? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So let's talk about the Battle of the 105s. I think both last year in Belarus and this year in Calgary, Canada, probably the most heavily hyped, would you say? Oh, yeah. It was the one that everyone was looking forward to. I know it was my favorite anyways. I mean, I can't imagine being, yeah, just rolling through, including the only thing that I think might be close would be the 63-kilo women's, uh, which yeah, was... That, Very heavily yeah. hyped. But I, I honestly, we were talking about this before. I have never seen a bench press session get the get the type of response the 105s did this year. Like everybody yeah. was on their feet. Bench is usually kind of the waiting point in between big squats and big deadlifts. So it was really cool to see that. Um, we all we all took world records, I think. So um, I took the world record first, uh, followed by Garrett, followed by Barry, and that was just that was crazy. 
just lost it. We can, sir, yeah. yeah. Apparently the space bar ends calls. Uh, <laughs> there we go. And with that, you, you leave us with that. Yep. Take what you will from that. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Bryce. Yeah, that's, the quickest, that's the quickest interview we've done so far. We just talked about, of all sessions, the bench session. Yeah. <laughs> The intermission for most people. That's right. Jobs Mike. Jobs Mike leads with that. Took world yeah. record. Gone. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. The, you were just saying the uh, the bench was like the back and forth. And I was commentating that session. And I was saying myself like, I've never people were on their feet for the bench press session. People were cheering. World records were falling back and forth. Usually, like I've done over the past few years, every session, every weight class, and like you were saying, the bench is almost like an intermission between squats and deads. Especially the viewership, you lay down, you press, not as, as fun to watch, even if there's a battle um, then with the squats or deads. But your bench session of 105s was like, it's like tossing the volleyball back and forth, who's gonna have the world record and come out with that gold medal. And that's the best, yeah. best yeah. bench session easily I've ever commented on the past few years. Oh, it's the best bench session I think there's ever been. Like, yeah. It's the only time where even like competitors, as I said spectators, everyone actually stuck around, watched. Like, damn! Yeah. Like, if bench yeah, only that's gonna say good. Normally, that's when you're back in the back room just refeeding and shit. Yeah, like, it's yeah. Not... <laughs> yeah. That's something else. What do, what do you think was um, the biggest differences? Did you switch up a lot from the battle of 2017 to 2018? Uh, the training has been somewhat similar, actually. Uh, now we're starting to get into a little bit of a different training, but um, I, both both world championships, I've been kind of battling injuries, like low back, mid back type stuff. Um, and like you know, on the surface, on the day of competition, things look fine, and you, know, you can't tell what athletes have been going through leading into the competition. I'm sure this is the case for athletes across the board. Everyone has kind of background stuff that no one gets to see the struggles and stuff. So for me, um, I had no idea how performance was going to go, even up to two weeks out or something like that. Um, you know, you want your heavy stuff to feel good, feel confident. So you go into the meet ready and fresh and ready to do your thing. It just wasn't the case. And so a few times I almost backed out and thought, this is, this is the wrong idea. I'm already signed up and committed to, um, you know, kind of committed to representing my country and doing well. Um, and we just thought, let's just see. You know, let's just take one attempt after another. And, and I was really surprised with how everything went. I, I mean, dude, if you would have backed out, that would history would have changed, man. Yeah. That would have been absolutely insane. So you, that's how bad it was. And you think about it though, like, who, it's interesting. They said almost backed out. Like this, I'm not going to say this could have been your only 105 title, but theoretically, this could be the well, only 105 time, title. Like, every time, yeah. Yeah. Any time could be for anybody. Yeah. That's how, like, um, gone are the days. We just recently posted, Open Powerlifting had posted the amount of people lifting these days. I think we're hovering around 75,000 registered powerlifters. And just in 2013, we had about 12,000. So to think yeah. the level and depth of competition now yeah. is, uh, you know, it's off the charts. No, We've never seen anything no, like you're this. seeing it more and more now yeah. because that's why you're getting these battles all and, of a sudden. And halfway through this year, we're already pacing for like 80 some odd thousand again. So it's going to so be cool. every year it's getting more and more. So yeah, exactly. You can't balk at an opportunity. I'm so glad you did it. No. So obviously, yeah. obviously things worked <laughs> out for you. Um, leading into last year's Worlds, there was so much hype around the 105. Probably once again, at least for the men's, by far the biggest competition, uh, most heavily hyped. Did that kind of help you deal with the pressures leading into this one? 
I would say having competed at a world championship helped me get ready for this one. Um, so that when I got there, it didn't feel like uh, this scary foreign environment or anything like that. I, I felt more relaxed at this world championship than I have at most competitions before. You know, and I, I wonder whether it's part of the fact that I've competed at world championships before. I kind of took some pressure off myself, but also like there's not a whole lot of people back there. So yeah, there's a, there's a big crowd, but you know, USA Nationals, There's there was 1,100 people last year. There's going to be 1,150 people this year, or 1,200 or whatever. Uh, it's just, it's chaos. So it's uh, it's just the case that it was a little bit of a breather. And yeah, I, I felt more prepared uh, the second time around. It, it, it's weird, like we are just talking about that, how big the U.S. Nationals is. Not only how big, and it's absolutely monstrous, um, I believe qualifying for it is, do you have to hit certain numbers? Yeah, you have to hit certain qualifying totals. Gotcha. Um, but it's just monstrous how many people show up. And then at the top end, the competitiveness at the U.S. Nationals rivals the World Championships. I say rivals, not exactly in your class in particular. Yeah. You've got the Verbeckis from Poland. But there are some where if U.S. could field three or four guys, those, those guys could fill a podium. Yeah. You know, um, so the, 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 how competitive the U.S. Nationals is when you guys go to the World Championships, you're ready. You know, you're not going to be, as opposed to um, for Becky, bless him, at Poland, I don't think he's got a whole hell of a lot of opposition, uh, whereas, or some other people from different nations, you're coming from Norway or Finland, yeah. you're probably, the Nationals well, isn't going to prep you for Even worlds. for us, you see that the top lifters are usually always the same top lifters. Like, yeah. you've got mm -hmm. that gap. We're to battle it out and win a U.S. national title. I mean, look, we got... Two-time world champion Ellis McLean never won a U.S. national title. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how tough it is. You know, that's how hard it is to win a national title. Yeah, we told him that he's got to lose uh, 93s this year so he can keep the streak alive. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Come on, play ball with us, man. You right now, right now, he's like that trivia question that's going to come along sometime. Talk about a different sort of pressure when you actually have to lose in order to win. <laughs> well, like, the thing is. Not only did he win Worlds once, he's won Worlds twice now. He's a multiple-time world yeah. champion. And we're just going over how hard it is to win a world title. And this guy's won multiple, never won a U.S. Nationals. But yeah. uh, in his division in 93, he's going to absolutely stacked as well. Looking at this, what are the divisions that... Because, you okay, so first off, before we jump ahead, you recently said you're going to take a little time off. Um, so what's going on if we let the listeners know uh, to make that decision? Yeah, so even even though performance in competitions has gone up the past two years or so, my strength really hasn't. Uh, maybe, you know, two and a half, five kilos per lift or something like that. But uh, that's been probably because of some injuries. Um, you know, training has been fine otherwise besides uh, just a few sideline injuries. So I want, I want to be strong. I want to kind of feel like I'm making progress on the lifts as well as making progress in competitions. So I just need time to do that. So I'm, I'm feeling really healthy right now, and now I just need time to build and not have nationals in, in six weeks and have to peak again and, and stuff like that. So I'm just I'm taking a year off the competitive cycle, um, skipping nationals this year, which means because you have to qualify at nationals to go to worlds, skipping worlds next year. Um, so, so that's kind of the plan. Um, get strong as hell and then keep lifting and competing. So you mentioned that you've changed up your training this time as opposed to what you did previously. And I guess that's all part of the same process. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the first part was just kind of like, let's, let's reduce intensity. Let's throw some exercise variation there. 
um, so that I can heal up. So I've, I've been squatting very little. We just started reintroducing some moderate singles, um, and I've been doing a tempo uh, squat otherwise and, and no deadlifting. My first deadlift is in uh, a week and a half, so I'm excited about that. Um, but, but after that kind of process is over, I think we're going to get a little more exercise variation in there. Um, so my training is normally very competition squat, bench, and deadlift focused. Um, so we might start incorporating some, some pauses or some variation, the length of, of uh, pulls or you know, what bar I use or, or whatever. And um, you were saying too, which is interesting, so you, you felt like your performance is getting better, but your, your um, actual strength wasn't going up. So how do you feel like, how is that? Because usually that wouldn't correlate in like a strength sport where strength wasn't getting no better, but I, I was performing better. Right. So, uh, so my, uh, my competition best was getting closer to my training best. Uh, so I've, I've squatted 700 in training, and now I've done six, 694 or something like that uh, on the platform. Um, and then my, my bench and competition is getting closer to my training best and, and stuff like that. So I, I want my all-time best to continue to go up and then be able to just – it doesn't matter to me whether it's in training or on the platform. But um, part of powerlifting is, is competing and doing well. But like a big part of it for me that, that I just – that I love and I miss is setting PRs. So that's, that's kind of the goal now. And, and what, what would you say you attribute that to in terms of um, being able to perform better on the platform? Was it just pacing yourself to peak on the platform and not in the gym? Or was it like injury-wise? Well, actually, you're more injured, you were saying. What, why, do you, why do you think there was that you know, change that all of a sudden you're performing closer to your potential on the platform? Maybe you're just more composed. Um, yeah, I mean, the mental side for me uh, has been huge. And... I don't know. Worlds, Worlds was really relaxed. I, I did not feel pressure, even though it was a world championship on the line. Um, I just kind of focused on me in one lift. I had a fantastic support crew around me. Um, I had a speaker on in the back with some of my favorite music, and uh, it, it was just a great time. So mentally, I felt a lot better, and I think that allows me to put my best on the platform uh, much easier. And uh, if because you are sitting out for for. Uh the nationals and the world championships, who are some of the people that you're looking at, um, at this nationals and then moving ahead for the world championships? How do you, how do you foresee these things kind of going, going down? Um, I really want to see Garrett put up his best total. Uh, one of the things I learned just kind of backing up, which will give some context to, to this discussion is like, what I learned from worlds is that anything can happen the day of competition. You know, you can have, uh, great training, you can have shitty training, you can show up and have your competitor who is absolutely awesome uh, miss a squat that he shouldn't miss or miss a deadlift that he shouldn't miss. Like anything can happen. Um, so I want to see Garrett put up the total that I know he's capable of and I want to see my buddy Ben Rice put up a huge total. He's coming into the 105s um, looking pretty hot. He's looking uh, really hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that'll be close to his hometown too. He's a West Coast guy, so um, so that's cool for him. Uh, I want to see Nick Cadiz put up a big bench as well. Um, just kind of see all these guys that, that I know and, and support go out and, and do their thing, and, and just I don't know do uh, you, have their best performance. Do you think um, if you have to pick a winner, are you leaning towards Blevins? Takes has Blevins won a national title before? Um. I don't, 
No. I don't think so. Because Eli and then yourself and then... So do you think this might be the year Blevins takes that national title? Uh, His training's looking pretty darn good. I want to see... So let's let's check back in three weeks out of the competition. We'll see what everyone's heavy lifts are looking like. But um, I've seen big performances from Garrett, big performances from Ben... And Eli's, Eli's competing as well, so the three of those guys will have a fantastic day. Yeah, I was actually uh, and there's a There's a junior uh, as well who's competing in the Open who is phenomenal. I competed against him at the Arnold, and his name escapes me right now, but um, very, very impressive as well. Yeah, and that's another guy who, it's funny to say, sometimes you forget Eli Burke, yeah. who is a world champion. Well, for some reason, I was thinking he was a 120 now, but... No, no, he's a 105 star. Yeah. He was... He was Debating back and forth between going 120s, uh, so he talked to Dennis Cornelius, and uh, there was rumor of Dennis was going up to 120 plus, um, just to not have to cut weight so hard. So Dennis doing 120, therefore Eli's doing 105. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess that, that's as good a reason as any to get the hell out of 120. Exactly, because <laughs> that young man is going to take the 120s for sure. Um, yeah. So do, do you cut a lot of weight yourself? What's your approach to? What's your ideas towards weight cutting? Uh, I, I tend to do best when I don't have to cut anything at all. So I, I like to be, I like to have my body weight under the weight class uh, leading into the competition uh, for a few reasons. I think that weight cuts are risky. Uh, it adds stress even if you do it well. Uh, you're overweight and you're kind of rolling the dice that you're going to make weight. Even if you have a predictable strategy, things can always change or, or go wrong. Um, when you're underweight, you know that your, uh, your training lifts are at competition body weight. So you don't have to worry about, is my strength going to be there at this lower weight? Can I rehydrate in time? So there's, there's just so many variables. And obviously, this is a weight class sport. So you're playing the game of what's the heaviest body weight I can be and ultimately maximize my performance. So if people want to cut weight, that's perfectly fine. I know a lot of people who do really well and they have never experienced um, a detriment in their life uh, when doing this. But I think keeping it below 5% weight reduction uh, for an acute interval of time is probably best. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing too, um, Paul's laughing because he did a fucking monstrous weight cut on the I weekend. Just, I just did almost 10%, so. And it was, and uh, you were talking about variables. So for years, he was getting away with it, smashing PRs, and never had to like do like a rough cut. He had yeah. a very rough cut. And yeah. um, like, I mean, right up to five minutes before in the sauna trying to sweat it off. And it's like, holy smokes, dude, just, <laughs> just got to the starting line in time. Okay, yeah. weigh-ins, hit it. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I mean, he got a PR by the time he deadlifted at 11 at night because you get bigger, stronger, whatever oh, shit. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, so talking about being underweight, it's starting to dawn on me now. So we, were, we were talking about that before. We link up and he's like, next competition, I want to be six pounds lighter. Like you said, you can get away with it so many times and it almost breeds a confidence of this is the way it's always going to be. But especially for a lifter, if you're like um, within domestically, let's say you're doing local meets, the first time you, if let's say you make a national team, okay, we'll travel the world now, fly to Europe and with the flight times on everything else, now cut 10 pounds or more yeah. body weight, whole nother ball game. If, uh, if it's nationals and you're just to have a car ride, it's it's gonna throw you for a loop, especially prime time. I mean, how much is that a difference where some of these guys, like Charlie Dixon was on here, Charlie Dixon was an absolute monster, 83 kilo, and he said, you like prime time for me is great because we weigh in, she'll get weight pushed back, 
And people would start later and yes. anticipate and everything. He's like, I'm a, ni- I'm a 93 by the time we're listening. Yeah, he's back up to yeah. 209. He's like a sponge once you put some water in, you know? So there's yeah, variables like you he's said. He's lean to start off with, jeez. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's absolutely. And um, so he dries out, like you're wringing out a sponge, put a little water in. This guy's a weight class up. By the time he's, by the time he's deadlifting, the guy's absolutely huge. You know, yeah, he's, he's yeah. massive. But it's absolutely true where a lot of guys, it's, it's a variable when it comes to these world championships. Some guys are hot, some guys are cold. Um, mm-hmm. look, looking ahead at the IPF world championships at the 105. Now, for two years in a row, this is probably the biggest one everyone wanted to watch uh, was the 105s. Now that we take you out of this, um, I mean, you were Mr. I dubbed you in 2017 Mr. Consistency because you were right across the board, squat, bench, dead, up there with all three. Everyone else, you know, you had Blevins, who's like a subtotal guy. You got uh, Rebecca, who's obviously Mr. Deadlift. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have yourself, that was like right across the board, Mr. Consistency. You were going to be snagging medals in all three events. And it made it, your presence made it interesting because if the subtotal guy missed on the subtotal, he fell behind you. If the mm-hmm. deadlift guy misses the deadlift, uh, one year he might, one year he might not, boom, you got him. But if you pull you out of that equation, it's not quite, it's, uh, I mean, everyone likes to see the defending champion there, especially if you are. Because the thing too is, when you're consistent like yourself, Verbecki showed up at Calgary and his deadlift didn't. <laughs> Basically, Verbecki showed up without his deadlift. Let's be honest, his opener, he could have bombed on that. He, is, he tipped yeah. it forward on his opener and I was like commentating, I was going to say something, but I didn't. They gave it to him. And, you know, for the sake of entertainment, I want him in there because he's. it can make it awesome. Yeah, but at the same time, as a lifter, you're like, as a lifter, really, you're like, really should not have passed. Like, that's... Yeah. I wouldn't have said shit yeah. if they didn't give it to him. Um, right. So it makes it being a consistent lifter, you don't got to worry so much about that because you're consistent through the board. But what are you looking at the 105s at the world level? Um, a few things that I'm interested in is, A... Who's America going to put forward if it's Rice or Blevins? Um, either way, they're both dynamite lifters. But B, though, who they're facing with Verbecki, we're, this, is in, this is in Europe. Let's assume Verbecki's 100% and he's on his game. Mm-hmm. And then Rondell Hunt, who is a freaking beast junior. Here we go yeah. with these freaks coming out of nowhere. And I asked him when he's on here and he said, I'm going open and, um, and we're, we're going to do battle. What are you yeah. anticipating the 105s look? Because now you get to look at it. Let's say we're going to, like, Rondell's going to represent. Nobody is going to beat him from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, no one's beating for Becky. Um, so let's say those guys are in there. And whether it's Rice or Blevins, how do you see that going down? Just as a fan watching. Man, um, Ron, Rondell's crazy. So for, for you guys listening who don't know who Rondell is, um, he's, he's a young lifter and he's crushing it. Like, so I haven't seen Kristoff um, put up anything new as far as his lifting in a little while. Rondell is consistently getting better. He's consistently getting stronger uh, and stronger and stronger. And he, he's looking to be one of those athletes who is a well-rounded athlete, who has a great squat, a great bench press, and a great deadlift too. Um, again, it's just the kind of thing that's just coming up. So... I really want to see him do well. Uh, he's just the nicest guy. Uh, you know, like, when I didn't know him before Worlds, uh, I kind of had this, like, 
picture in my mind that he was going to be like an adversary and like, you know, I was like, oh, this guy's he's strong. Or like he's going to be a competitor. No, he's just the nicest guy. And it's really cool to see that. And I've seen that time and time after time in powerlifting that just competitors are just wonderful people. But, um, I think he's going to be that well-rounded guy at worlds. Uh, that's kind of, kind of take that place in the competitive spirit. Um, I want to see Christoph on, uh, and just pull something big and, and just feel good about that. Um, I was listening to Matt Gary, who did a seminar with Christoph in the UK, and he said, hey, man, like, you know, how did, how did your experience go? And I guess he talked about it during the seminar and just said, you know, I, I have no excuses. I just felt off. It was a travel. You know, it was, it was kind of things out of my control, but, you know, that happens to everyone, and, and I just I was off my best, and, and I want to put my best out there. So I know he has more in him, and, again, it's going to come down to who can do it on the day. Mm-hmm. So would you say – I mean, for myself, if I had to pick somebody, I would say the man to beat would be Rondell Hunt. Do you think um, he's probably the man to beat? He's 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 similar style of powerlifting as yourself, where consistently through the board, he's not a subtotal guy. He's not just a big dead guy who's got to pull for that win. Um, I would say if you had to, you know, you pull out Bryce Lewis, you inject Hunt. I think we would have a Rondell Hunt championship uh, win there, which would set up the big mega with the return of Bryce Lewis of next year. And here we go, the Wiley veteran against a young upstart. And you guys are almost like A and B, the way you're style lifting. It would be an absolute phenomenal showdown. But I'm thinking, um, I, if I believe early goings, I would see Rondell Hunt. Do you think he would be the hmm. man to beat? Total-wise, yeah. Uh, also, it's, it's not just total. It's like he's the kind of lifter who you know he's got his first and second attempts locked in. Uh, you know, coach makes good, solid calls. Uh, there's nothing crazy about his technique that's going to mean he's going to miss an opener or something like that. It's just, it's just good, solid lifting. So you know he's good for at least six for nine, and probably seven or eight, depending on coach calls and, and stuff like that. So it's not like there's a roll of the dice whether he's just going to miss a huge chunk of his total. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of thing that, as a betting man, I'd be more likely to put some odds on him. Mm-hmm. See, and I would go Kristoff, personally. Really? Yeah, what is that? I think just because it's in Europe, he's got a little bit of something to prove. Like, he's going to come in, probably put it together a good day. I don't know. Uh, the thing, so, Kristoff isn't, isn't super, he's not really good with English, right? But um, every now and then I'll message him. We do, like, uh, I'll try to do, like, Google Translate a forum. And he's like, no, nah, my friend, just just put it in English and I'll try it. I, you, you're making some crazy yeah. statements. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know you know you're writing. So, like, fair enough. But he said, um, when I seen him in Calgary, I was like, hey, man, how you feel? And um, he was, like, very, you know, he's making the sign yeah. for tired. Uh, he said, like, 30-hour flight because of layover. And he's, like, it's, like, 3 in the morning now. He's all, like, this is, I don't, I don't feel so hot. The, and, obviously, the uh, everyone in North America is going to have to fly to Europe. That's why, like, these That's, girls moving around. And, see, this is why I think that Kristoff will probably take it over for Rondell. It just, the thing is... Rondell Hunt is moving so quickly, his potential, like his ceiling could be over what Kristoff can do regardless. Like, I think Kristoff, thus far, might be one of the most accomplished male lifters, considering he's done it in two different weight classes. Obviously, Ray Williams is there. But um, he's done it in two different weight classes, and his dominance is, like to dominate 93s like he did, it felt like almost nobody had really a chance. The one year he pulled for the win, won a body weight, but it felt like he could always win at 93 until yeah. uh, the one year he lost. And then um, move up to 105, 
killers killing like lions in 105 and had to he got a win at 105 against lions and then i feel like like so there's no question he's, he's an all-time great but i think rondell talking to him when he talks about what his projected goals are feel like kind of like um what bryce was yeah. saying i think we've seen the best of christoph in a lot of minimal games but Rondell Hunt, my God. If oh, he, he's, he's going to be a monster. There's no... The, the freak about Rondell Hunt... He's a monster, I should say. If you shook his hand, he's got, like, a basketball player's hands where he can palm a basketball. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's a freak. He's, like, a freak of, like... He would lay down... <laughs> when he was coming out, and me and Tom Keene were doing a commentary, and we didn't know who he was. Like, who is this guy? He would lay down, minimal setup on bench, just destroy it. Um, none of yep. this technique is, like, like, one of these flawless technicians. It's not, it's not shitty. But he, just the raw brute strength on this man, and I believe he's 22. You know, I, I just feel like his ceiling is going to be bonkers. And honestly, yeah. uh, Bryce, you sitting out for a year makes the hype even better. Oh, yeah, no, it's good. It makes it so much better because then we have the isolated um, Hunt, Kristoff, and then whoever America puts forward. And then we have, oh, but Bryce Lewis just came back. And he wants his crown back. And he's, he's healthy. <laughs> yeah. For the first time in years, he's healthy. You know, it would be yeah. just a phenomenal showdown. Um, mm. So what, what are some of the things going into, I mean, this is a little looking ahead, but are there things that you think, not for right now, but when you are going to peak again, are the things looking back where you're like, you know what, I want to change this, that, or the other, just to adjust? Are there things that you want to do? Um... It's hard to say. Um, I, like, there are certain ways that you kind of feel like, okay, this is my bread and butter type of weight. So I want to shift that ceiling up. Um, like for squats, maybe it's 585, but I want I want that to now be like over 600. Um, so that anytime I'm coming to the gym, like over 600 for a few reps is, is not something that I'm, I'm nervous about. I, I just can kind of make that my new standard weight and something similar for deadlift as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think the progress follows from the fun. So, you know, fun slash putting in a hell of a lot of work, but those, those two are kind of the same in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's still going to be a lot of just repetitions on squats and stuff, um, but probably a lot more posterior chain work, a lot more core work. Um, and then I've really been having fun with um, isolated leg stuff, like, you know, basic bodybuilding, leg extensions, curls, leg pressing, and I really feel like those things are kind of driving muscle mass, which as a late stage powerlifter, um, you really need increases in muscle mass to get stronger. It's mm -hmm. not just neurological gains anymore. Yeah. You know what? I love that you just said that because me and you, me and we Paul, were we're in our 30s. I know you can't tell, but we're in our 30s. <laughs> so um, we are saying just that where some people are saying, like, would you move up a weight class or whatever? And I'm like, man, for me, putting on muscle mass, like you just, it's very, very difficult. And um, it's tough when you're in your 30s to put on muscle mass. So you were saying, though, which is interesting, hit the nail right on the head where putting on muscle... So you'll, you'll start... Because I've been competing for 10 years and you start getting to the point where um, your gains are going to be like 5, 10 pounds here and there. You're not going to make some drastic changes in your game, but you're thinking maybe in your stage, throw on muscle mass and it's going to be the core stuff and the isolated movements and that will translate into more weight moved. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's not like the accessory lifts, so to speak, do anything special for muscle growth that uh, a competition squat uh, or deadlift don't. 
Um, but I do think that with the controlled nature of the lift, you can get away with more training volume without it affecting other things, you know? So if I did like five sets of 10 on uh, a squat, I'd be trashed for a week. But if I did it on leg press, I might get similar quad development, but I'd still be able to squat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of balancing out these things in, in an approach that I think makes sense. And um, I've been lucky enough to work with Eric Helms and um, we've just made a great team. So we're just going to kind of figure out what the next tool is. And how long you've been working with Eric Helms. A lot of people don't know this. Um, before this, you were a bodybuilder, correct? Yeah, exactly. And was he your coach in bodybuilding and then together you moved into powerlifting or was he already training powerlifters? Uh, he, uh, he was training just a few powerlifters and, uh, it was just a case that a few athletes from 3D Muscle Journey had done a powerlifting competition. I was like, oh, I want to do that. So he did transition me to that. I think we did like a West Side type approach early on. So we've been working together for about seven years. Mm. And he really is like a guru. I talked to him at the Worlds. Super nice guy. Very approachable. But, um, so have you guys literally been kind of like learning together with this and he kind of researched it the more you're like... Eric, I think I'm moving in this direction from bodybuilding. And he's like, well, let me up my game because the guy obviously knows what he's doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, I'd say his knowledge of powerlifting specifically was pretty limited. Um, he said, hey, man, to be honest with you, I, like, I had to email a few people to kind of figure out, like, what do we do for, for a guy who wants to go into powerlifting? But like, that was just kind of the first little step. And then from there, his knowledge has just exploded. I mean, this is, this is his job, not only as, as a coach, uh, but as a researcher and educator as well, so he he's in this and has been in it for years and years. Yeah. As a, a doctor in doctor research, I think he did a dissertation on protein. And um, anyone who doesn't know Eric Callum's Google, the guy's like, yeah, he's literally on the cutting edge of all the studies in terms of strength training. And um, obviously, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Uh, directed you to a world championship, so we're not yeah. too worried about uh, yeah his credentials there. So um, I know we were saying we're going to keep you around a half hour, and time flies like freaking quick. Uh, so we're <laughs> around the half hour mark now. But before we let you go, um, a couple questions. Talking about your yeah. coach, a um, who, what, what were, if someone's looking for a coach, what are some aspects you think and attributes you think people should look for when choosing their coach? Uh, a little advice for anybody who's starting out in powerlifting, maybe even in general, not even just choosing coach. And then B, what when all is said and done. How does Bryce Lewis get remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Um, okay, so first question about choosing a coach. Um, almost everyone these days has uh, posted information uh, of the type of coaching they offer um, and stuff like that. So read up, don't make a quick decision. Um, ask, ask them all the questions that you want to ask them about their style of coaching. Uh, you know, what would you do? You can even have an initial call and then, you know, take your time to think about it. You don't have to decide quickly. Um, ask athletes of, of theirs that they've worked with, what their experience was like, things they liked, things they didn't like. Um, realize that, that off the start when you're working with someone, they don't know a whole lot about you. And more importantly, hey, this dog is just growling. <laughs> Anyway, so so yeah, it's, it's really important to, to do your research, um, but just remember that programming 
and the actual numbers on paper are just one piece of coaching. Um, anyone can put a good program together on paper. Uh, a coach is someone who can guide you through the process and can um, kind of manage fatigue in a way that makes sense. Um, troubleshoot problems. So like, you know, when programming isn't ideal, when you face injuries, how do we keep an athlete progressing? How do we keep them uh, in the game? So it's kind of when things aren't going well that a real coach can shine through um, and be able to kind of work through some of these problems. Um, you know, how do they do with uh, the athletes who aren't genetically gifted? Um, can they customize training uh, for, for people of all levels, from beginners through advanced athletes? Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the proof is in the pudding too, so kind of what level of success have they worked through, um, some of the highest levels they've worked with? Um, how much strength have they put on, on athletes? You can ask all these kind of questions. Um, and then just realize that you want to stay with someone for a long time because ultimately, uh, ideally, they'll get to know you better over time. Um, but just realize that you're never stuck with someone and you can always uh, reach out or, or ask more questions or anything like that. But um, yeah, do your research and, and ask around. And I think that having a coach is better than not having a coach. So I encourage a lot of athletes to, to get out and work with someone and you'd be surprised at not necessarily how training will change, but also how better you will feel having someone in your corner. Yeah, mentally knowing because there's no if you do enough meets, something eventually is bound to go wrong. Yeah, that's just it. You're never gonna have early goings might give people a a weird sense of how when you have nothing but success and you haven't been tested yet, you have a weird sense of how things are gonna always be. Uh, it's impossible to do this year after year and not have a rough patch. Injuries, mm-hmm. things start going wrong, and like you said, having somebody to bounce back some feedback, even if. You know, just little minute things to do some changes or just some motivation or just a third eye on it. Just to reel you back a little bit. Be like, hey, why don't we try this? It, it yep. greatly helps for sure. And, um, and how about that? Uh, when all said and done, now I know you got a lot of left, lifting left. But when everybody's sitting around having beers talking about Bryce Lewis, how would you like them to talk about you? Uh, I'd like to be remembered as the person you uh, can come talk to that keeps it real and I, I want to educate people and put out good information and just be honest and true with myself so um, kind of follow a moral compass uh, help people whenever possible and the strength and stuff is fine like I'm not too particular about world records or anything because like they're going to get smashed in some period of time and, and not to mention if we look back at like the early 1920s and stuff like that before records got reset you know, three or four times, like people were already at my strength level right now. So I haven't done anything new to the human race. Let's be real here, you know. So I, I want to be remembered as someone who has helped people um, and people can confide in me, stuff like that. Isn't it crazy that you happen to say that? That I think Eric Helms might even posted this. Um, somebody posted, there's guys like George Hackenschmidt, who was like a wrestling world champion, but also a weightlifting world champion, just freak athletes, 1920s. The guy was completely bodied up like a Russell Orhe or a Charlie Dixon. Abs, incredibly strong, world champion, Greco-Roman wrestler, whatever, just a freak athlete. 1920s, yeah. there's no PEDs. If you would see him today, you'd be like, fucking guy's on sauce. But this dude, absolutely no PEDs. I mean, it's just phenomenal where I think Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Eric posts this, but I mean, someone else saying, rethink what you think is possible, A, and B, humble yourself, just like you said, right? Like, yeah. you know, it, there's a lot of peak freaks out there walking, and some people just will find our sport, and then other times, you know, you got a window of opportunity, but it really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. 
I remember him posting it. It was Eric Helms. There's some guy deadlifting on like 10 different kinds of plates, like some small ones, some big ones, just like loaded out. And it was like 780 pounds. And this is like, you know, before modern innovations in barbells. So who knows what the grip was like or, or whatever. And I'm just thinking, cool. You know? <laughs> it's crazy. Because what did yeah. they know about nutrition? What did they know? They didn't have like computers to document these things. And like trying to keep track and all the different tracking systems we have. Like it's insane. What they're, imagine you took that guy and dropped him in 2018. It'd be right. insane. And put him on like at very least creatine and a good diet. You know, yep. so, I mean, yeah, 1920s is a whole nother deal. But yeah. um, listen, Bryce, thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll have to have you back sometime, perhaps maybe a little closer to Nationals, or if not, to the World Championships, and maybe we could talk about the 105s, make some predictions, because then actually for the Worlds, we'll know who's the U.S. champ, we'll know who's all going anyways. We'll have like the roster nominations, and we'll have a little powwow. We'll get an inside scoop from the defense, well, the world, the current world champion on who his pick would be. Sound good, my friend? That would be awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Have a good day, my friend. All right. Hey, David. So he was picking. Was he leaning towards Hunt? He's leaning towards Hunt. I think Hunt. But I know what you mean, where Rebecca is, he's almost super random. He's like a Polish Superman. And when he's on and his dead is on, he could almost pull himself. Excuse me, into a gold medal almost every time. My thought is always never pick against the guy that's competing towards his home country. It's very... The less travel, the better. Now, I think Hunt... The Hunt is North American. Hunt's North American. Hunt has a hell of a travel. He's got a hell of a travel to get to work. He did. Um, The one thing that's going to work in Hunt's favor, I don't believe he cuts a lot of weight. Which is going to help in terms of travel as a son of a bitch if you're cutting a lot of weight. But still, it's a time change. It is a time change. Although, I also heard it's easier to change from um, it's east e- to west. It's easier going west. forward. Yeah. It's a lot easier going forward than it is going okay. backwards. Um, and all of us North Americans, whenever we go to Europe, we go forward. So that helps. So he does have that, but it's still, as somebody who's traveled a lot in his time, yeah. it still fucks with you. Yeah. No, uh, 100% cutting weight. Like, I, I, I've done it. And um, it is difficult. It's definitely a factor. And it can't be, like, I think Verbecki's travel, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to make excuses for him. I mean, straight up, he lost. As a matter of fact, like, he could have bombed. It was, it was, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you know, so you can't make excuse for the guy when he literally got lucky to get that opener. All right, well, that was, that was the omission I'm going to give you. You can't give you too much more. At the end of the day, he probably should have changed up his game plan, and he probably got tied to certain numbers that he felt like, as yeah. the athlete he is, he had to hit. As deadlift, as the deadlift god he is, he doesn't open last thing. Exactly. But that's the only lift he got, and if you watch it, there was a for sure down nut. Yep. You know, it was one of those deals like, it, oh, shit, son. I said, it's one that could have gone either way, and it was just depending on the judging of that day. Yeah. He's the type of guy... I think where he's kind of like, look, if I'm not the champ, then let me fucking bomb. I ain't come here for the battle of silver. He's won so many times. He's like, I don't get... And that's a fair point that everyone always, you kind of forget as well in the whole... I think it's so, it depends on the guy though. I, I've never bombed before in my life and I've been doing this for like 10 years. And I want to keep that streak going no matter what, I don't bomb. Like I don't bomb. Yeah. I just, I love saying that, I don't bomb. I say this, if you get injured, like straight up injured, and you got to pull out. Like you just look, that's just partially torn. You go out there, it's full off torn. We're talking, you may never be the same. Yeah. 
Alright, man. Yeah, yeah, there's, right. there's nothing you can do about it. There's certain stuff. times you gotta realize there's no money in the sport. You're yeah, like, it's like, okay, you, you can take that shit you can have a career or yeah. you can. Exactly. So, um, yeah, knock on wood. I'm not, but uh, I don't know, man. I just feel like there's something about Hunt. I think he's the next big thing. He's, he's something special. Although it would be really weird to think. Yeah, that, what does that mean? Does that mean Verbecki never again wins a Worlds as long as Hunt's around? Yeah. It's hard to picture Verbecki being out of the hunt, for pun intended, uh, from here on out. But then you have uh, the Price-Lewis story, where, look, at on paper, Verbecki should be the chair. I remember Blevins messaging me saying, hey, are we, do we, we did a preview show. Me, uh, me Matt, uh, Gary, and Goldsmith, and Blevins. Yeah. And we previewed all the weight classes, including the 105s. And leading up to it, he's like, you still want to do this? Or is everyone pretty much already put the gold medal around Rebecca's neck? And then look what happened. So whenever, that's the thing with sports. You can never go against the subtotal guy as well. You, you, because he, he'll push it. As, and if as, push, as Bryce said, you know exactly that he's going to be in that six for nine, for nine, for nine sort of. Yeah. And, and he's going to be within that total. No if he's consistent what. and he pushes you. Now you have to dead, and if your dead isn't there for a, a variety for, of reasons, yeah, travel, weight cut, peak and raw, injury, whatever the shit, just warm up time, yeah, food, whatever, take, the, like the yeah, yeah, time of day. There's so just... many variables, you know, and then sometimes everything goes right, but you're just not there that day. Yeah. This is sports. Oftentimes we forget that, like in basketball, base all the they have, they have a much bigger sample size of how many games they play, and there'll be a guy who just isn't fucking there. He's like, I don't know. I'm just I go through a slump for a week. Bounce back and I'm fine. What changed? Nothing changed. I don't know. Just yeah. did. But for us, it's like because we only compete three times, a, like three days of the year. Yeah. Something goes wrong. You can be like, I gotta fucking change everything. Yeah. Every time you compete, it's suddenly. I gotta change it. What, what it could it's, be like, Bryce, like, you don't wanna change everything because it might yeah. not be everything went wrong because the same things you're doing were going right, but it's like, then what? You know, it's hard, man. It's, it's a sport where you can do nothing wrong and still not have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's what makes a sport like like boxing or MMA want to compete a few times a year. Anybody can fucking take it yep. on any given day. That's what makes it so great. It's individual. You have a shitty day, your teammate can't up his game and take over, and then you still yeah. Like, your coach isn't tagging in and taking your third deadlift for you or anything like that. Yeah, and if he's a couple weeks yeah. up, that'd be nice. That'd be nice if Bryce Lewis is your coach. All right, yeah, all right, take it out, Bryce. Take the dead. Yeah, I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling today. So yeah, take this nice little for me. I'll hit the opener. So you yeah. got last two. Uh, but anyways, yeah. It was a good podcast here. We had a good discussion leading in. And I believe next one up is the Forsaken Warrior. Uh, it'll just be myself. So from, and please listen, everybody. Whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, we're on all of it. Give us high ratings. Share it to your friends. Post it in your stories. And keep following us on Instagram because every week we're going to keep belting these off. From Six Pack Lapidat. And Palmer Ends and Lifts. Thanks for hanging in. See you next time.